This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today I am so happy, I am so damn happy to welcome Katie Boland to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Katie Boland is an actor, a writer, and a director. She wore all three hats on We're All In This Together. Four hats, if you consider that she played two characters in the feature film, which she adapted from Amy Jones's novel of the same name. Oh, and did I mention that it's her feature film directorial debut? No? Well, I have. I just did. It's her goddamn feature film directorial debut. We're All in This Together is the story of three sisters who struggle to find a way to work together when their mother's long, tenuous mental health takes her over a waterfall in a barrel. That's not some kind of symbolism. That's actually what absolutely happens. The sisters are each plagued by their own demons, their own insecurities, addictions, traumas, mental health woes, and issues with each other. And no spoilers, but it's only when they learn to speak directly to each other, see the hurt in each other, acknowledge the pain that their mother's mental illness has had on them all, that they're actually able to help her and help themselves. We're all in this together is as moving as you'd expect from that description, it's also entertaining and at times really, really funny. And Katie and Alicia Newton and Martha Burns deliver powerhouse performances. Katie was named a star to watch by the Whistler Film Festival, which makes complete sense because she really does make you believe that you're watching two distinct women battle each other and their demons on screen. But what struck me the most about the film and what inspired me to invite Katie onto the podcast today was how deftly and directly it addresses the impact that relationships can have on our mental health. It shows what can happen when we don't talk about mental illness within our families. And it reminds us that we need to be honest with each other when it comes to how we're doing. Honesty is abundant in Katie's work. From her award-winning Hulu web series, Long Story Short, which you wrote and produced and starred in, to eat your heart out, her haunting debut collection of short stories. Katie's work has long had this thread of honesty running through it. And so today, I wanna talk about the honesty that's present in We're All In This Together and the ways in which cinema, cinema, can help us navigate mental illness in the real world. Katie Boland, welcome to the Wavier Screen Scene Podcast. Rena, I am so happy to be here, and thank you so much for that extremely uh, moving and, and very beautifully written introduction. I couldn't, I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you for for all of your work. Um, you're in Toronto, so let's get the let's get the big Toronto-sized elephant out of the room here. 
how's the snow? How's the weather? How are we doing? Because, I mean, I saw the Gardner Expressway and the DVP were literally shut down one day. Yes, that I, I don't think has ever happened before or certainly not that I remember in my lifetime. Um, I'm very proud of Toronto. I love Toronto. I love being from Toronto. I love Drake. Um, <laughs> what I don't love is being the most shut down city in North America, especially with, you know, the, how cold it's been in all the snow, but it's certainly been an interesting time, like talking about mental illness and some of what you brought up earlier, it definitely brings, um, any sort of personal chaos you have going on inside to the surface. And it's been a really interesting time to reflect and also create and think about what I want to do or make next. So it's been like a heady and isolating, but also pretty invigorating time. Oh, Wow, there's a lot there. One of the first things that you made me think of is I'm so excited to see what work is coming out of this period, especially from you. But then it also made me, I don't know, I got some chills too. I mean, not just thinking about the snow, but just thinking <laughs> thinking about like, it's good to laugh because we might not be laughing a lot. Although we should laugh when we talk about mental health and mental illness, but you know, like about how how many people are suffering, how, how the pandemic might have awakened in people mental health issues that they might not have known that they've had, you know, like, like, you know, I, honestly, let's, how about we go back in time then? Sure. Um, Cause there's, I mean, as you can see, I'm like, I love talking about mental illness and, and mental health and, and the pandemic, but like, I'm a, barrel of laughs, clearly. Um, but, uh, and we're going to get into all of that today, but let's talk about your own um, connection to this material. You know, what was your starting point and why was this, why was Amy's novel one that you wanted to bring to the screen? Great question and definitely one that I get asked often. Um, my starting point was strategic actually. I knew to do what I wanted to do next in my career. I needed to have directed a feature mm -hmm. before I would get hired to direct any TV or be a director for hire. And I also knew I wanted to write things for myself to act in. So before I even came across Amy's novel, I was actively looking for a novel to adapt and direct and star in. I was drawn to Amy's novel because of all of the things that we've sort of touched upon so far today. Like there's a lot of mental illness in my family. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly suffer from mental illness. <laughs> so I don't, yeah, let's, let's definitely laugh. Um, oh yeah. Well, yeah, here, you know. before we began, I just popped one of these, like, you know, because it's, it. it's part of my life. It's what, it's yeah. what I figured out that I need to do in order to stay alive. Right. Like it's, it sounds crazy to talk crazy <laughs> language uh, to, to talk about, but we have not talked a lot about this stuff, right? So, which is why I have such admiration for, for what you're doing. Knowing that stuff was in your family though, like, is this something that you've all been, that you've all been talking about along the way or, or like, how did you, the family that you were describing growing up in, like, how did you approach mental illness and mental health? Right. Well, I was very lucky in that, um, my my mother doesn't suffer from mental health issues and she was like a real pillar in my life. So people always ask like, oh, is this movie autobiographical? Is the mother based on your mother? And the answer is no. But my grandmother um, suffered from bipolar disorder before there was really medication and when the treatments were, by today's standards, barbaric. Mm. Um, 
shock treatments, et cetera. But she was a heroine of mine because she was very straightforward and upfront about her mental illness. Um, and I thought that was very forward thinking of her and inspiring. And so I grew up always with the lens on mental illness that like, yeah, many people that I love either suffer from diagnosed mental illness or addiction issues and which is also a mental illness. And um, so that took a lot of this stigmatization out of it and it made it a lot less scary. So it's something that I felt um, very at home exploring in this film, but also it was always a topic of conversation in my house. Um, and there was a, a very open dialogue around it. When it became sort of surprising to me or something that was more challenging that I still try to talk about in my work and tried to sort of face in this movie is like when I realized actually I suffered from those things as well, because I always saw myself as like a very together type A um, capable person, but that doesn't mean that I don't also suffer from mental illness. <laughs> yeah. Suffer with, live with, dance with, I like I, I negotiate with. That's, I, I mean, I, my, I have a relationship with mental illness and, you know, yeah. and that and art has been one of the things that has helped me find words to talk about it. Talk to me about that experience of picking up uh, Amy's book then for the first time and, you know, what it was about the book that made you be like, not only am I going to adapt this book for the screen, I'm going to direct it and I'm going to play two of the characters in it. Right. So Amy and I actually, I have a, we have the same literary agent. So I spoke to my agent and I was like, uh, his name's Chris Bucci. And I said to Chris, what do you have that I could adapt that you think could be made for a relatively small budget? And he gave me a couple of books, but Amy's, as soon as he told me the log line and he said, oh, and you could play twins in it. I almost knew then that this was the novel that I was going to Chris adapt. Chris knows you. Chris knows yeah. you so <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's like you, you like to take a lot on. What about this? Um, and I knew within reading the first five pages that it was, it was a story I was going to option because her voice was so fresh and so funny. And the themes were really interesting to me, like generational trauma within a family, mm. how mental illness can sort of trickle through a bloodline and come out in different ways in different people. Um, so I knew before I, yeah, before I'd read the first chapter that I was going to adapt it. So the adaptation process, I was very lucky because Amy and I met before I started writing the script and when she knew I was interested and we talked about the novel at length, what was important to her that I keep in, why she wrote this book. Um, oh, wow. And then she, yeah, which was really, really invaluable. Yeah. It, it was so valuable and so helpful. And um, then she really gave me her blessing and, was just supportive from afar. Like she never read any drafts of the script. We didn't really communicate while I was writing the script because an adaptation process, this was my first time that I'd really done it, but it it's quite brutal. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot that you have to lose. And this was not a 200 page novel, even but a 400 page novel with told from multiple perspectives with many family members that didn't end up in the movie. So I really had to cut a ton of stuff that was excellent. 400 um, pages. Yeah. Oh, so it was, mm -hmm. I got to get my hands on the book. You know what I'm yeah, going to do? Yeah, the book is incredible. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get myself a couple copies of the book and I'm going to give away a copy of the book to uh, a listener. Um, so I love that. Look That's on our Instagram, beautiful. find out how you can enter to win a copy of, of this book. Please continue. Yes. Um, 
So that was the adaptation process. It was really like sitting with a physical copy of the book and underlining to begin with everything that I liked, everything that I thought pertained to the twin story, which was the one that I wanted to tell. And then it was sort of uh, a process of just getting clearer and clearer and clearer on what mattered, what what was important to me to keep in, what was I trying to say? And then there's the whole like, okay, here's what you wrote and here's what we can afford to shoot. That's a more intense process of really yeah. whittling it all down. But um, it was such, a, such an education for me. Like I've written many things, but this was definitely where I learned the most just about the practicalities yeah. of filmmaking. Were there any tropes related oh, right. to mental illness, specifically as, as far as how mental illness has traditionally been portrayed on screen that you wanted to make sure that you avoided? Yes. Um, it was really important to me that with Martha Burns' character, she plays Kate Parker, the mother of the twins oh. who goes over, she's incredible, goes over so the falls good. in a barrel. She was so amazing. Um, I wanted to make sure that this wasn't a person that you could just immediately write off as crazy. And that also we weren't just playing crazy or like the, the versions I've seen of manic episodes and film and TV never felt true or similar to what I had experienced firsthand with loved ones. Yeah. So um, that was definitely part of it that was important. And I also wanted to show that the twins were, you know, both struggling in their own ways, even though you might not, at first glance, think that they're dealing with their own mental health issues. Like they weren't at a place where they needed to be hospitalized and might never be in their lives. But I wanted to make it clear that there was a lot of struggle going on underneath. So it yeah. was important for me to not have anyone seem crazy. Yeah, man, I that word, you know, since I've been really um, speaking out publicly and like specifically through the podcast but on social media, you know, about... Uh, about mental illness and, and mental health issues. That word crazy and how I use it, I've really like been revisiting it, you know? Like it's, it's such a, cause we use it so much uh, in, just as a descriptive in conversation, right? And yet it's so loaded, you know? Like I, I, I've, I found that I've had to kind of be like, what do I mean when I say that something is, is crazy? And what am I awakening in, other people, you know, like, what do they think that crazy is? Because yeah, am I they, crazy? You know, yeah. I don't think I'm crazy. I think that I'm like a type A person who has lots of mental health issues, but, you know, on screen, you might think, I've, and I say the word crazy, that might represent something else. There's yes. not a question there. That's like a statement about my own issues. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And even last night, I was thinking I really need to reevaluate how I use the word crazy, um, in terms of like relating to myself. Like mm. I'm so easy to be like, oh, that I was just being crazy or this is just the way that I'm crazy or I'm being crazy. And it's like, I don't, how helpful is that really? Yeah. Like there's so much madness and so much artistic talent in my family. Like it's, it just, I do think that they're really hand in hand, but there's nothing more dismissive than calling someone crazy. Yeah. It's just like shuts you up immediately, you know? Especially women. You know, just to the, the crazy emotional woman, you know, yeah. we get dismissed that kind of way. So what, what kind of conversations uh, did you have either on set or whenever Amy got to have a look at the, at the script, you know, around um, mental health and, and mental illness, you know, like, cause I know, I mean, 
this, I mean, obviously I've seen the film a couple of times and like it's awakened a lot in me and I want to talk to you about all these things, but like what kind of conversations were you having when you were in the, in the thick of it, you know, about mental health and mental illness? It was interesting because people, I had basically conversations with anyone, everyone who was involved in the film. Yeah. But it was all private. Like mm. people would read the script and sort of publicly, or if there was other people in the meeting say like, oh yeah, I liked this and this, and here are the questions that I have. And then always one-on-one -on -one people would be like, oh, here's my story personally with mental illness, or here's the person I loved that struggled, or here's who I'm basing this character on, or. Um, wow. Yeah, but it was not, I mean, there weren't a lot of like big sweeping public discussions about yeah. it. Also, because I feel like people's relationship to their own mental health or their perspective on mental health or their loved one's mental health, like it's, it's so private. Yeah. So I felt like as the director, which was sort of the hat I had to wear, like I had to have that hat screwed on the tightest because I was like leading this ship. Yeah. I didn't want to put anyone in a position where it's just, it's so vulnerable. And yeah. so, um, I don't, it's interesting, it's interesting because we are really addressing it as a culture, but I still feel like it's the one conversation that's very, very difficult yeah. to have, especially if you're being really real about it. Yeah. But it's, that's I mean, it was a privilege to see people's masks drop or their armor fall down a little bit or just what people were willing to share with me. Yeah. Did that, did those conversations then during the pre-production and production process, did they kind of give you, um, kind of a glimpse into the future or make you think about your audience watching it and the kind of conversations they would have, you know, like what, you know, I, I, I guess the, the question really is like, what kind of conversations, you know, would you like to inspire, you know, in audiences? And has there been anything in the, in the response to the film that surprised you? Yes. I mean, when I was making this film, I was so singularly focused on just like, excuse my French, not fucking it up. That oh, we love French. Share, just so okay. you know, this is, this, this, this podcast is, is rated like E for explicit okay. French. So great. it's French away. Okay, great. <laughs> so I was so focused on not fucking it up that, and all of the different things that I had to, to, keep straight every day and make sure we're working every day that I, I didn't think off, often about what the reception would be. I was just praying that I had a movie that cut together at the end. Yeah. Um, but what has been surprising and very affirming about the reception is how much people see of themselves and their family in the movie. And um, again, like the conversations that I've sort of been able to have privately with people. Um, I also am always really happy that people find it funny in some ways because that was certainly my intention, but the subject matter is so heavy that it was, I was like, I don't, I don't know tonally. How this <laughs> so I'm happy that it is. I believe it's darkly comic, but you know, and, and like, I mean, honestly, especially a lot of the stuff with, with Martha, with the, the character of the mother was just so just, ridiculous and terrifying and like you just have to laugh to like cut the cut the tension <laughs> at least I did <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> okay I, I I do want to talk about about mental health and mental illness a bit more but I'm dying to know about um that process of filming when you are playing not one but two challenging characters 
one of whom is, I think, in like super, like five inch heels, you know, the whole time. And you're directing and you're also feeling like the responsibility of every, you know, for everybody else that's on set as well. Like, how, how, how did you look after yourself during your, that time? How did you, you know, navigate the challenges that I'm assuming were, you know, that, that were associated with, with juggling those hats, wearing those hats simultaneously, insert more hat metaphors here? Yes, I love a hat. <laughs> um, just the note on the five-inch heels, like I still have a scar on my leg from them. <laughs> they were so uncomfortable and Whoa. like, yeah, it was, they were, yeah. But how, I'm did sort of you, how did you injure yourself? What happened? I, it was like the back of them cut into my leg and I just like had to keep wearing them so it could never heal. And anyway, I'm, I like oh. that scar now. It's almost like a tattoo on my body that reminds <laughs> me of making a movie, you know, which I'm grateful <laughs> for. Um, and I like looking at it. But so how did I take care of myself? Well, I would say in some ways I really didn't. And then Katie. Other, yeah. I, yeah. And then in other ways, like there are sort of built in mechanisms in my life now that are ways that I take care of myself through everything. Like I was a year sober when I started shooting the film. So being sober, um, I, I couldn't have done it if I was still drinking. So that is one mm-hmm. way that I was taking care of myself and sort of continued to. Yeah. I didn't do anything but make this movie. Like I would just be on set and then if I wasn't on set, I was in bed. Um, but it, it, it took a toll on my mental health, no question. And I think that, that those, those chickens came to roost during post-production. Like I was totally fine during filming. I maybe had like one private meltdown. And then it was during cutting the movie that I was like, uh, the, I feel the damage that taking all this on has actually done because that was where I really had to look at like okay this is the footage I have here's your face twice like find a way to cut this and make this good so it was also my you know inexperience as a feature filmmaker like this is my only and first feature so Mm. my expectations I think going into cutting it were different than they would be now like I should have known to expect to hate the first many first cuts Mm -hmm. um but I didn't know that yeah Oh, I, and what do you think this film tells us, especially the people who really, really loved it uh, and want to see more of your work, you know, about the kind of films that you're going to be making moving forward oh. and the kind of stories you want to tell moving forward? It's, I, I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, I'm developing two new features that I'm writing um, and they interestingly are both about families and mental illness to a certain degree so I'm definitely interested I'm interested in like this arena like to me there's nothing more complex and layered and full of character dynamics and conflict than a family unit Mm. it's almost like an animal unit you know like we're so made so primal by our family members so to me that's was so interesting uh, is I felt that. I don't know if you heard me. Like I was like, oh, because I, <laughs> I felt that in my gut. I'm like, yep. I, yeah. I see that in my relationship with my parents and my relationship with my child. It's like it's yeah. you know, and I can be not crazy in other situations and then be driven to just the brink, you know, by just a few choice words by my child or my husband or my sister. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, feel no, it. I mean, primal. Family relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's 
they're they're challenging, but there's also like no no love in the world that's like it. So, mm. um, so I'm definitely interested in, ex- in in exploring all those things more and again, uh, and probably forever as a way to answer questions I have in my own brain about life and why I am who I am. Um, and I, I mean, in any work that I do, whether it's like in the television space or film space, like I'm, I'm I just love characters. <laughs> also, yeah. in, in real life, like I'm just really drawn to like people who are different or outlandish, or so I, I think I'll always be that way. Yeah, I don't love a, I don't love a subtle person. Yeah, no, I, I gather that about you. <laughs> um, what do you think, Hollywood? on both sides of the border and frankly, all around the world. What do you think that, that Hollywood gets right about depictions of mental illness on screen and, and what does it get wrong? I think there's so many um, really beautiful and astute depictions of mental illness, especially on television right now coming from all over the world. Like I just watched, um, Afterlife, the latest season, Ricky Gervais's show. And I thought like oh. British, British television, I know, British television does, or British filmmakers, creators, they just do such a good job of telling these stories about people that you just believe. Like there's just so much realism, but also it's funny and it's like existential about life. And so I find that that really inspiring. And I guess what I think people have gotten wrong is like when you're on a, um, a more dramatic scale of mental illness. Like if you're a person with schizophrenia or bipolar or like that, where there are episodes, like I, I've rarely seen that depicted in a way that feels not cartoonish. Yeah. 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 Um, But I think, I mean, I think that the talk that the work that people are doing about PTSD and something like I may destroy you and even Fleabag or, or any show that I love, like it's almost, I think that that's really well done and there's a lot of um, very conscious conversation around that area of mental illness. I mean, we talked about some of the lessons that you learned as a filmmaker uh, during the process of making this film. What about as an actor? What did you you learn about yourself? You know, my life has been going in the direction of like, okay, I'm, I'm more, I want to be more of a writer. Like I want to be a creator. I want to be a filmmaker. I'm, you know, acting's kind of stupid. Like it's, I have no control. This isn't good for some of my personality. Like I have a lot to say and a lot to give. And I don't want to be like, oh, you couldn't because you're not, you know, blonde or all the, whatever, any, any ridiculous reason that you often don't get parts. But what was interesting to me and what I learned was like, oh, like whether you like it or not, or whether you think it's, you know, stupid or diminish it, like you are an actor and that this is so comfortable for you. I don't want to say it was easy because it's not, but it's definitely to me, like the least daunting people were like, how are you going to play two parts? I was like, I don't know. How am I going to do my shot list? It's how am I going to make sure this, this is structured, right? Like, how am I going to have the conversations that I need to have with the cinematographer? So to me, like that acting was almost an afterthought and, and that was, um, Hmm. it was, yeah, it made me feel like bold in a way because I was like, Oh, like, uh, Good for you. Like you did it. Yeah. When, you know, I, so I described you at the beginning as a writer, director, actor. Um, how do you think of, 
of yourself? Like, do you, do you give each one of those equal weight? You know, you said you, I mean, you basically just said that like acting was almost like it was like the, don't say easiest, but it was like the least, um, like you did it, you Mm. know, and you were able to, and while you were focusing even more so on, on other stuff, like, how do you think of yourself? Like what label, like, how do you affix labels to yourself? Or is there like, like one term that could sum up all the stuff that it is that you do? I think of myself as acutely sensitive and that spreads to all of those. Like if I was, and, and very, very curious to a degree that is almost a mental illness, like the (laughs) amount of questions that I ask in a conversation, maybe 10% of the questions I want to ask. So Mm -hmm. normally I'm the interviewer in my, (laughs) in my real life, you know? Um, But people ask me, like, how do you keep it straight? Or, or how do you, what do you identify with most? And to me, it all feels like one set of skills that just yeah. takes different shape, depending on what role I'm in that at that moment of the day. Yeah. So I guess I think of myself as all and none. Ooh. I like, it's hard that. for me to be, if someone was like, what are you, you know, what do you do? I'd be like, oh, um, yeah, I'm like an actress and I, I write, but I also direct, but it's like, no, I, I do do all of those things. It's just very strange to identify with any of them. Yeah. Maybe because I've been doing it for so long. I've been in the film industry that it's like, I don't feel like it, it still feels strange to call myself any of those things. Yeah. Okay. I am sure people have been listening to this and they're like, where can we see this fucking film? Like, it's, it sounds amazing. We missed it at Whistler. How can I see it? So, Katie, how can people see it? Great question. So, it is playing at the Victoria Film Festival on Saturday, February 12th. And you can see it online during the film festival and in Victoria. Um, it's also playing at the Manchester Film Festival on Saturday, March 19th. That will also be an online festival as well as in person. Um, and some Do you other- get to go? You, are you yeah, going? Yeah, I am, I am going to go, I think. Oh, fantastic. I'm going to really try. Yeah, it's been, um, I've been very lucky that the film came out this year as opposed to last year because there's been hybrid festivals like in person and online. So I have yeah. been able to see a film with an audience, but yeah, you could see it at those two festivals and there's other festivals that I can announce soon. But if you follow me on Instagram, Katie Boland 13, um, okay. that's probably the easiest way to get updates about the film. <laughs> that was like, I was rolling into like what my final, my final question, which was how people can find you and follow you and celebrate you on social okay. media. So it's Katie Boland 13. Yes. So there's a Katie Boland one through 12 as well. 13 is like a lucky number in my family. And I, oh. I huh. got Instagram like very early. Like I think I've had it since like 2012 and I just didn't really think how much I would really want my actual name. So okay. I started up. I, no, I mean, you like 13. I mean, that's unusual. A little odd, you know? I like that. I like that. Um, Katie Boland, you're just an absolute delight. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is so fun. So fun. And uh, thank you also to our listeners. And as I mentioned, you can head on over to the YVR Screen Scene Instagram account that's at YVR Screen Scene to learn how you can win a copy of Amy Jones's book. And it's the same title, right? It's the same title as a, yeah, we're all in this together.
Fair. Um, yeah, thank you. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Ferminger. I am the host and executive producer. And uh, I'd like to thank my editor, Simon Ferminger, uh, my daughter, Mariana Ferminger, for recording our Patreon ad. My husband, Paul. See, we are all in this together. The Fermingers. We're in this together. Paul Ferminger, technical support. And to Dane, not Ferminger Devile. He's not a Ferminger, but we love you like family, Dane, uh, for the original music. Why Your Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver, and Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.